Okay, everybody. So uh, welcome back to the Four Star Podcast. Uh, just to do the intro today, uh, we will have a discussion about the markets and uh, we had a presidential speech and a lot of, lot of new proposals on spending, a lot of things to discuss. We're getting a GDP number that came out. Uh, earnings are coming out, so a lot to discuss there. Uh, a couple of interesting initial public offerings. And today with me in the podcast, uh, Chris Reardon is away, but we have a return to the podcast of two special co-hosts that for you podcast listeners, uh, they were with me about a year ago on the podcast, and they're going to make a return trip here to the podcast today, Tucker Dunn and Brian Principe, and they're members of the corporate team of Four Star, and they both have some unique areas of expertise. So we're going to hear a little bit about their areas of expertise and join them, uh, have them join us in the podcast today. So that's our lineup, and let's get started. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Four Star Podcast. Uh, today, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, we have a lineup of different discussions on the economy and the markets. And we have two new co-hosts who make a return appearance here, Tucker and Brian. Welcome, guys, to the podcast. Hey, Brian. Hey. Welcome. Good to see everyone. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Well, Tucker and Brian are important guys to Four Star, and they do a lot of great, great things for the firm and support our advisors. Uh, Tucker Dunn is the advisor to the Alternatives Committee, and Tuck, we're going to hear from you a little later on about that. Uh, and he's also a certified financial planner, so he does a lot of the financial planning for the firm. So again, Tuck, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Brian uh, is our master of social media, uh, master of a lot of interesting things, and he also is the insurance advisor to the insurance uh, team of Four Star. So we'll hear a little bit about some insurance ideas later on from Bri. And uh, also, Bri, once again, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Bri. Glad to be here. And uh, Tucker's in Maryland, and Brian is in, in Providence, Rhode Island. So Four Star is becoming a national firm, and we have people working all over the country doing great things for advisors. So uh, we're all together. I'm in Chicago. We're in Chicago, Rhode Island, and Maryland today. How about that? That's good. It's it. a nice East Coast, Midwest connection. There we go. Yes. Now, normally Chris Reardon goes through the positioning of the markets, but Tucker, you do a lot of work with Chris in the portfolios and you got all the numbers today. So you want to give us an update on the positioning of the tally scores, Tuck? Yeah, sure. So we'll start off by looking at the, uh, at the different ranking of all the different asset classes. Um, so as Chris does every week, I'm sure he goes through and he lets you all know that Domestic equities are number one right now. It's at it has a tally score of 321, which means domestic equities and American companies and stuff are doing the best overall. Um, after that, we have international equities. So that's at a tally score of 254, which is actually down a little bit from the last podcast. Only about four tally marks, but down a little bit. Uh, commodities are the next spot at 250. So that's actually gone up quite a bit since the last podcast. That's up about 11 tally marks. So right. that's, that's been a pretty big jump. Uh, then next we have fixed income, which is at 117, which is actually down about seven tally marks from last time. It was 124, followed by cash at 93 tally marks, which last time it was at 94. And then in the last spot, we have currencies 
which is at 52 tally marks, which is again down a little bit from last time. It was at 54. Okay. So the big move is commodities, right? Yeah. Yeah. The big move is commodities. And it looks like the most, the most frequently used commodity right now is energy and oil. So that's, what's kind of, kind of moving commodities up and down right now. All right. So, so to characterize the period since our last podcast, U.S. stocks are still firmly in charge. International stocks are right behind. Uh, but the, all, the, all the little move in the short run has been commodities, essentially. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Well, and, and uh, one of the portfolios that Four Star has, the dynamic portfolio, does own a component of commodities. And so that's how you would play that. Or you can buy individual commodity holdings on your own also. Uh, so anyway, well, thanks, Tuck, uh, for that update. Uh, it's been a really interesting market. We've gone into earnings season, and we've seen some uh, really interesting IPOs coming out as well. Uh, we saw, in, since our last podcast, Coinbase made its debut. And, uh, and you guys are familiar with Coinbase. Yep. Uh, a little and, bit. Sure. <laughs> and they did a public listing, right? And so I want to talk a little bit about that because uh, Coinbase actually does trade cryptocurrencies. And... You can set up an account and buy Bitcoin. You can buy the other Ethereum and all the other all the other cryptocurrencies. So that's very popular right now. Bitcoin is over fifty thousand a unit. It had been over sixty thousand per unit, you know, four years ago. For the listeners in the podcast who've heard me repeat this over and over, uh, we got in somewhere uh, around twelve hundred dollars a unit. So it's up massively from there. Uh, so if you did, had done that, you could have bought that at Coinbase. We bought it through another group. But Coinbase is up big, a lot of fanfare. The market value now of Coinbase is two times that of the of uh, the Nasdaq market itself, the the, the stock market index itself. Uh, they will do uh, lending and they'll integrate more into a brokerage firm. But the the thing we wanted to point out though is that Coinbase really is not owning cryptocurrencies as a business. They transact in them, right? So you're buying a brokerage firm, right? Aren't you guys? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's that's just the thing. And like you said, it's uh, got a value that exceeds that of the whole NASDAQ. I right. just don't know how that works. Yeah, it's a little crazy right now. Uh, so you know, what do you pay for a brokerage firm? I don't know. Uh, but it seems like the valuation may be a little bit high. People are getting a little excited about it. So uh, we would say probably be careful out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say tread yeah. lightly. Tread lightly. Well, and then uh, furthermore, we're into earnings season. We saw a couple major names collapse. We saw Intel collapse on earnings last week and Netflix. This week is more tech stocks. We've seen Microsoft and a few others. Uh, didn't we see Tesla this week, Tucker, come out? Yeah. So Tesla came out Monday after the close. And um, everyone kind of expected it to be a big quarter for them. And, and it was. It still was. They reported revenue of $10.4 billion up 74% year over year. And uh, their earnings per share were 93 cents, up 304% year over year. Um, and it looks like analysts were expecting an earnings per share of 79 cents. So they beat that by, what is that, 14 cents. And then they were expecting revenue of 10.3 billion. So they beat it by $100 million. So when you look at it, should have gone up. Should have been a good good reading for them. But honestly, over the last two days, it's just gone down. And the reason for that being 
is simply they thought it was going to do better. So it did, it, yeah, they, they, they did great, but they didn't do great enough, I guess. And (laughs) so that just scared everybody. (laughs) You know, I guess they need to think more about the whole ideal of under promising and over delivering. Right. So they're exceeding expectations as opposed to, uh, you know, not quite meeting expectations. Yeah. Well, and, and some of the old timers might remember the concept of the whisper number. And so they put out an estimate or an expectation and then everyone would start whispering behind that expectation saying, oh, it's going to be 90 cents, but it's really going to be a hundred cents or a dollar. So really watch for that, but don't tell anyone you know, like a whisper number. So then if it didn't beat the whisper number, it would go down, even though it beat the expectation. Right. So it's, okay. it's almost like we're into whisper numbers again. Right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It seems like that's about what happened. I mean, like yeah. I said, they had a great quarter, great year but I guess it just wasn't great enough to make everyone feel good. That's right. Well, and then we saw this week, we were already past the GDP announcement. Uh, So gross domestic product was expected to be up 5.6%. Actual was 6.4. So it was a great quarter. Uh, We could have even been more. Uh, Some people now are showing a lot of worry about inflation. Uh, The Federal Reserve Open Market Committee came out yesterday and Chairman Powell spoke to to the country and said, basically, we're going to let inflation go. We don't see inflation coming back right away, uh, but certain elements that are in inflation are in the economy now. Um, Procter and Gamble said that they would start to raise their prices in mid-single digits this summer. So there's inflation, but a lot of the inflation, guys, we've seen it in real estate, right? We've seen it in in uh, in the stock market. Also, prices That's are right. That's inflation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even if you're driving around, you're probably seeing it at the gas pump, too. I know we definitely are here in uh, Rhode Island. And when I've traveled to um, even Connecticut and Massachusetts, I've, I've definitely seen an increase in the in the price of, a, you know, the gas at the pump. Right. Absolutely. So 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 prices are going up. So we're seeing inflation. But a lot of the inflation components don't get put into the official consumer price index number, like the price of real estate or like the, like the price of stocks. But we should see it start to show up in different uh, products that have to buy into commodities that are going up in price or uh, that use a lot of energy, like oil prices that have been rising slightly here. So anyway, yeah. uh, so that's interesting. And then the other, the other really interesting discussion this week that we had a lot of, lot of involvement with was the work-at-home stocks. Uh, there's one called OKTA. And they're a separate technology company. They're not connected to Google, Microsoft, or Amazon. So a lot of folks want that independence, and they don't want to be part of those big tech companies for a lot of reasons. And so, so there's ways to do work at home technology without dealing with Microsoft, Google, and Amazon. Um, turning to the economy a little bit more, uh, this last podcast period, we had China come out with their quarter, and that was, guys, 18.3%. Um, so the question, that sounds like a real number. Is that yeah. A real number? Yeah. Do we believe it? I don't. <laughs> I mean, everything I don't know. China is true. So. Yeah. So you know, normally the U.S. numbers come out like this number, the six point four number, and they do like three revisions before the next earnings number. So I don't know of any revisions to the Chinese number. They just put out a number. So you know, I, I always wonder if it's a little bit Madoff-like. You know. Uh, so. <laughs> So uh, the big quarter, but 18 sounds like an awful lot, even for China. So. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's definitely a big number. Yes. 
And so, conveniently about triple what we're reporting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, convenient. Yeah, and they're they're developing nation, but that sounds uh, like a lot. Anyway, and then uh, President Biden spoke last night, and he talked about uh, uh, the big tax increases that are coming, and he's using uh, the money from the big tax increases to work on his third spending plan. So now with the two spending plans, the one which was a stimulus, the other one's going to be infrastructure. He's talking about another $1.8 billion spending plan. It's a total of about $6, six trillion of spending uh, that, that they're hoping to, uh, to get into the economy. Um, and so the tax increases are going to fund some of that, and some of it's going to be debt financed. Um, and so that should fuel more and more inflation with a lot of money out there to be spent on different things. Although, if you want something more, lower the tax. If you want something less of something, tax it. So we could see certain things that, you know, the, the, the taxes are going to flow through to the corporations. Uh, they're raising corporate taxes. Well, corporate taxes are a fun become a function of what we spend. So all those corporate taxes get passed on to the consumers anyway. So it will lead to inflation, but it also will depress business activity and also could depress the market. So let's hope they go, don't go too far with it. Um, so we're seeing that uh, capital gains tax with that, you know, we could see now approaching 60 to 70% taxes overall, like in places like California and New York City. So um, the other thing that they're talking about doing is taking away the step up in basis in estate taxes. So let's say uh, a large investor with a net worth of $10 million, but a lot of the stocks and real estate have low basis. Let's say the basis is $5 million. Well, they're going to limit the step up in basis to only $1 million of that net worth. And everything is going to pass on with the old basis. So the government still gets their taxes. There used to be a complete step up in basis. So that's a big, big wealth transfer now from families to the government because families used to be able to keep that wealth when they when when uh, someone passed on and it went to the next heirs because of the step up in basis when they passed. Right. So that's that's the biggest impact on, of all that I've seen. Right, mm -hmm. Brian? Yeah, that's you know, that definitely seems like a, a big change over the approach that we're taking now. And so uh, it'll be curious to see what ends up uh, actually coming through on on that issue in particular. Yes. So um, we'll see how all that plays out. Uh, and we'll come back in a couple of weeks. We'll talk a little bit more about the economy and the markets. In the meantime, since we have Tucker and, and uh, Brian with us on the call, um, I wanted to have a little chat with Tucker. Tucker, you lead our ALTS, ALTS committee, Alternative Investing Committee. And um, what are alternative investments, Tucker? And why would an investor care to, care to look at those? Well, there's a lot of answers to that. Um, alternatives are just that. They're alternative investments to what you might typically find on the stock markets. So stocks and bonds are your traditional investments. And then you have alternatives, which are for a little bit higher accredited investors, so people who um, make at least two to 300,000 a year or with a net worth of over a million, not including their principal household. Um, and there's a ton of different ones out there. I mean, they're all over the country. They're, you know, they're all over other countries too, but they're investments that typically you wouldn't find with much ease on a market. So, and there's a bunch of different sectors to them. There's real estate, there's energy, both traditional and green energy. There's oil and gas, there's mining. And, you know, we've even seen some more uh, 
unique ones recently that have to do with renting out private charter planes. And um, they're, they're pretty interesting, but they're, they're not for the faint of heart, as they say. Yes. So what kind of an objective would you need? Do you have different objectives, Tucker, in the group? I think you do. Yeah. So there's a couple different objectives. So obviously any, any, um, any portfolio is really tailored towards growth and income. So with alternative investments, you can find pure income deals that are great because right now, the way that the markets are, the way that interest rates are, bonds and the tip, the, the traditional ways of providing income aren't providing as much income as they used to. So these, these income alternative investments can be really good supplements to that. Um, then there's growth as well that are only focused on capital appreciation. So they may not pay out any money over the year, but overall, by the time the deal is done or the program's done, you're hoping to be up a you know, a considerable amount. And then there's hybrid deals and programs that have both income and growth proponents to them. Uh, and then there's also a few other ones that are a little bit, I don't want to say out of reach, but they they just have higher minimums. So the ultra high net worth programs can have minimum investments of anywhere from 250,000 to a million. Mm-hmm. Whereas traditional investments can really be anywhere from a couple thousand to 50,000. Right. So that's a big difference right there. And then they also have very aggressive growth oriented deals. So still about the same minimums, anywhere from 25 to 50,000, but they are much, I don't want to say much riskier, but they're riskier in, in aiming for a little bit higher growth than what you might see uh, elsewhere. So, right. so, so Tucker, when you invest in these, there's, they're not liquid, right? You can't really sell them like stocks, can you? Yeah, most of them, uh, there's there's the few, obviously there's a few exceptions, but for the most part, these deals and programs can have anywhere from three-year terms to 10-year terms, and, and some may even be longer. So it's it's really not for an investor who would need the money soon. If, right. they, if they need liquidity, this probably wouldn't be the absolute best idea. But, and, and, you know, that's something to talk about with your financial advisor and see if it's right for you. But yeah, they, uh, they definitely have some long-term deals. Yes. So an investor who doesn't like the 2% they're getting in their bonds, they might go for a series of income programs to get five, six, 7% from a real estate program or cannabis income or wireless assets income or something like that, right? That might be something an investor would do. Yep. So one that actually comes to mind right off the bat is it's a company called Megatel. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're located down in Dallas. Home building. They're, they're, yep. Home building. Yep. And they're, they're actually doing something very unique. They're creating single family homes. They're creating entire communities. And they're also helping, you know, for, for all of those younger listeners or millennial listeners, they're actually helping to make it, possible for the younger generation to get into home buying. Um, and the way they're doing that is by, you know, if you rent an apartment through their apartment locating service, they'll actually, at the end of your lease, they'll help you get into one of their houses. And by renting through them, they'll actually refund some of the rent that you paid so that you can get into one of their houses. It's a really unique deal. It's really cool. Um, and, and that's an income play. And mm-hmm. that one pays out about 8% per year. So 
like you said, if you're tired of the bonds, maybe getting one to 3% and you're looking for something that could possibly generate five to 10%, that's something that may be of interest. Right. Right. And so everyone has to talk to their own financial advisor and see whether those kinds of programs are right. Uh, but I think as Tucker said, there's, uh, I think there's you know, 40 or so different programs involved in that platform. And then Tucker is the advisor to the committee and, and uh, any, any investor who's looking, looking to get better returns on a certain segment of their portfolio, that's something they can consider. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Doc. And then Brian, Brian does a lot of really interesting things for Four Star, including, uh, including uh, managing our social media and uh, working with our bloggers who send out a lot of really interesting articles and information to their clients. Um, but Brian, right. right, Brian? Uh, but, but you also serve as the insurance advisor to the committee. And, you know, tell us a little bit about what investors are doing with, with different insurance programs right now, Bri. Uh, what are oh. you seeing? Yeah, sure. So, um, look, you know, everyone knows, I mean, you have a financial advisor. I mean, look, one of the things we do at, here at Four Star is we help our clients uh, achieve their financial goals. And we say that that starts with a comprehensive wealth strategy. Well, we really make sure that it is comprehensive. When looking at all things, that includes insurance. Um, you know, people think about insurance. Uh, they might be aware of the things like, you know, let's say health insurance. That's an everyday insurance or car insurance or a lot of people usually have life insurance coverage. We make sure that, you know, when we're uh, having reviews with our clients and we're talking to our clients, that we're helping them uh, not only with their wealth needs, but also with their uh, insurance coverages, too. Um, look, you know, people buy insurance to manage risk in their lives of, the, of their loved ones and protect against catastrophic events. Uh, we focus on helping our clients keep peace of mind as it relates to protecting their families. Right, right. So there's long-term care, there's life insurance with long-term care riders. Uh, yes. Yeah, actually, so that's uh, a unique thing. So as I mentioned, you know, a lot of people may have life insurance and they may also have a concern on, you know, potential cost of long-term care. If you end up needing to go into a long-term care facility, like a nursing home, let's say, um, there's huge costs associated with that. And there are some really um, new uh, creative products that are out there that um, combine the benefits of life insurance with also, with, with also the, the, um, the ability to protect yourself if you have to go into a long-term care facility like a nursing home. And what's really good about it too is that it will um, help you help provide coverage, not only if you need to go into a facility, uh, you know, like assisted living or a nursing home, but also if you decide that you want to stay at home and have home-based care. There, there's ways to tap into the, um, the insurance coverages that would be available that would otherwise be just the life for those long-term care needs. So they're pretty, they're pretty neat products. So then the other area we just started working on too, Bri, is property and casualty, right? How does that work at Four Star? Yeah. So actually, I just want to, you know, make a quick note to say here that here at Four Star, we have a great committee of advisors that have really good specialties as it relates to things like life, long-term care. And as you're mentioning, Bri here, property and casualty. So, um, you know, for those who don't know about the property and casualty route, I mean, that's uh, almost like an umbrella uh, insurance policy that provides coverage, not only for people's belongings, 
um, you know, things like houses and cars, uh, boats, jewelry, whatever it might be, uh, protecting that against physical loss or theft or vandalism. Uh, it also provides the liability coverage for all that too, in case there's uh, some sort of legal judgment uh, against you. So it's it's good coverage to have, especially for our higher net worth uh, clients. And I think what we find, and a lot of people may not know, is that if if we have clients who are paying, you know, in the vicinity of let's say fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a year or more in premium. Uh, we might be able to save them a lot of money because most of America um, gets covered for property and casualty through companies like Allstate and State Farm. Good companies. Um, but we're able to connect them with more premium level uh, insurers like uh, like Chubb, uh, Nationwide, MetLife, um, that we find provide you know, a lot of good options uh, to cover our, our, our clients' uh, property and casualty needs um, while also uh, giving a better price, in fact, maybe even better service. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's great. Those are a lot of new programs that we've introduced and Bri uh, coordinates the committee for us. So thank you very much, Bri, for that update. Um, yeah, absolutely, Bri. Great, and uh, so we're coming into the spring now and uh, the weather's getting better. Uh, apparently the CDC has said people can take off their masks outside and so life's coming back to life. So we're looking We can forward. exhale, yes. I'll exhale. <laughs> so uh, we're looking forward for a great summer. Um, and thanks, uh, Brian Tuck, for being again, our co-hosts on the, on the podcast today. Uh, it was great to hear from you and hear what you're talking about and thanks again. Great to be here. Really yeah. is. Thanks a lot, Bri. Good to see Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah, you too, Bri. This was fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, and so then everybody stay tuned for our interview with uh, Mr. Neil Green. And Mr. Neil Green, uh, now living in Los Angeles, Neil is the leader of the RA Elite uh, Society. And it's a group of family offices and RIAs that get together periodically and look at some premium services and premium products and alternative investments and liquid investments as well. Uh, so we've been part of the RA elite uh, program for a number of years. And Neil has some really interesting things to say about wealthy families and how they think and how they do due diligence and how they make investments. And sometimes they say the rich are different and uh, they sometimes are, but it's really only about uh, the size of their investments that creates different needs and different touch points. So uh, Neil has his pulse on that. So we'll hear from Neil in just a second. Um, don't forget everybody, if you're going to give us a ranking, just give us a five out of five. Uh, and, and, uh, don't forget to tell your friends to go on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, which is the largest podcast company of all Google podcasts. And we've seen another, a number of other little services we've never even heard of that come through our network. It's quite interesting. And, uh, we still have not been heard yet in Antarctica. So we've been heard on all other six continents. So we're looking for someone to go to Antarctica to listen to our podcast from the ground in Antarctica. Then we can say we're on every continent in the world. Anyway, That's right. All right. The world round. I've got a couple of <laughs> We're still trying to work it out. But anyway, uh, uh, thanks again, guys. We'll leave it there uh, until the next podcast episode. Uh, thanks again, being part of today's Market Explained and the Four Star Podcast. Thank you, everyone. See you guys. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Four Star Podcast. And today we have an interview with a very interesting character. He's a 
good friend of mine, but he's also uh, the president and CEO of J-Boy Productions in Los Angeles, uh, and, uh, and Mr. Neil Green. Uh, Neil, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me, Brian. Absolutely. Well, Neil, um, Neil and I connected on one of his groups he's developed, the RIA Elite and Family Office Global Leaders Conference. And we've been fortunate enough to be part of that. And, and Neil, you recently had a professional athletes players retreat event. So you're working with a lot of different groups in the investing and, uh, and, and services area. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, Neil, about how you yeah. develop uh, that whole program. Absolutely. So actually, you know, you were one of our first attendees back in the day. We started these events four years ago. Uh, our first event was Mexico City. I remember specifically talking about Mexico City. I think yeah. the first question to you or from you was, you know, hey, are we going to go to this location, all get kidnapped and, you know, and, and never make it back? <laughs> and I convinced you that uh, Mexico City was a location that uh, was cutting edge, great restaurants and the hotel, which we've used the Four Seasons, was one of the best that you'll probably ever stay at. And you're a little reluctant. And ultimately, I, I think that hopefully, uh, I think you actually returned after you visited the first time. But, you know, it kind of set the tone for what we do. Best hotels, great locations, uh, you know, the opportunity to engage with, you know, RIAs like yourself. We also work with a lot of family offices and you know, the company has evolved and we're very appreciative of Four Star and yourself being part of that uh, and the growth and really the vision, which was always to get the best of the best involved. And I, I think obviously you've been involved in our last conference that we had in Puerto Rico. Uh, we're expecting to have you uh, in Punta Mita, Mexico, which is our next conference coming up in May. Uh, you know, obviously you're not a professional athlete, so you weren't at the event that we just had in Las Vegas. Uh, but that was super exciting. Uh, that was an event we did, uh, especially for NFL players. We had a couple NBA players as well. But that's a whole new brand for us, bringing together professional athletes that never get to really see uh, keynote speakers, investment products from a diverse range of anything from income to growth to venture capital to cryptocurrencies. Uh, and we're able to deliver that to the professional athlete as well as the, uh, their uh, agents and coaches and such like that. So we're excited about that. Uh, if I look a little tired, it's just, again, four days in Las Vegas. Uh, that's kind of the result of what happened there. Uh, but again, we continue to forge forward. And, you know, in the COVID environment, you know, as you know, we, uh, again, still having some of these face-to-face -face events. We did have our conference in October uh, in Puerto Rico. We've had some networking events more recently in Miami, uh, also in uh, Los Angeles. And then we did New York City just about a week and a half ago. So we've been very active. And uh, again, coming back from Vegas, uh, now we have, you know, 30 days or if not even less uh, to be in Punta Mita. So uh, very excited. So I'm, I'm very happy, like I said, that you were part of it from the, uh, the inception. Yeah, I, I'm the same here. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we came to realize at Four Star is that the very wealthy uh, have lots of opportunities and lots of risks as well at the same time. So we definitely need to tailor our approach to them in maybe a slightly different way. Uh, but Neil, you, you brought together at these conferences that we've attended an incredible list of people. We've had, we've had representatives of the very wealthy uh, old banking family, the, the Medici's out of, out of Italy. Uh, we had Patrick Reynolds from the Reynolds tobacco family. Uh, and and uh, recently you had a whole group of sports celebrities. So there's a lot of folks that 
that need to be spoken to in a little different fashion than the average client. And, and that's a really cool thing about what you're doing is you're bringing together a group of people and a group of brands that really cater to that crowd. Right. And that's the difficult part, right? There's a lot of family offices out there and you actually have to see through the weeds, right? You have multifamily offices, you have single family offices, and then you have the different levels of even a single family office. You have the patriarch, which may be the name on the marquee, like a Hilton or a Vanderbilt or a DuPont, which all come to our events. And we actually get the patriarch. Uh, in a lot of cases, you know, there's a CIO that is working for the family office that may be involved in the day-to-day basis of, you know, selecting the investments. But to get those particular attendees to come to an event like ours, it obviously shows the respect that we carry because these guys have much better things to do than have to go to fly to Mexico City, to Punta Mita, to, you know, various locations. Um, and again, uh, there are guys in, in that family office environment that will go to these big events and they just go for the fun and the, you know, boating and all that kind of stuff. But we curate something that's different. And again, I think you recognize that. And that's reason that you've been part of this family, as we call it. Um, we really make sure that the attendees are engaging in stuff that's going to benefit their life that's going to benefit and protect their wealth because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, people are only going to want to come back and talk about your event. If you do something of quality and you can add value. The, right. We have always said from day one, we don't want to be the party. There's other events you can go to, have your fun, uh, enjoy yourself, um, go on vacation. Our events are very sophisticated uh, and again, a testament to you being in the room, but what's very commonly said about our conferences is it's the most sophisticated attendee group that you'll ever be in front of. And that to me is powerful. And again, you should be uh, honored. I'm honored to have you there. Uh, that being part of that sophistication uh, is really what is the brand. And again, our you know, our theme ever since day one, if you look at back at the marketing, it's always been invest in yourself. That is our real, uh, you know, tagline, our branding. And I believe that everybody comes to our events. That's what they're doing. They're taking the time to invest in themselves, invest in their clients and the well-being of, again, their family and their families that they represent. Yes. Well, it's almost like, Neil, in a sense, you're becoming the new Robin Leach, the lifestyles of the rich and famous uh so uh maybe a bit you look you're better looking than robin leaf but yeah well uh, thank you i appreciate it <laughs> nonetheless uh, that, that's actually a really cool comment because you know as i had mentioned so think about this right we have all these great prestigious names uh they all obviously carry a lot of significance in the world as we know right now you have all these influencers, right? You have Instagram and, you know, all these different things out there that are great for influencing brands. And there's some, you know, brand lines, like let's look at the Kardashians, you know, million, hundreds of millions of followers, you know, they're being paid multiple millions of dollars just to talk about, you know, either cologne or a sneaker uh, on their Instagram. So we decided to actually do the same thing, not on the social media side, but more interactive, right? So when you come to our events, we're now aligning with those product sponsors that represent luxury. We did an event in Miami, which our sponsor was Lamborghini. 
uh, Pagani, which was is there. a two and a half million dollar share. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, to get those types of brand recognitions, uh, we just did an event, like I said, in Las Vegas for professional athletes. Uh, we had Ublo is one of our sponsors. We had Hennessy, which represents Dom Perignon. Also, uh, Hennessy Cognac, which we were able to uh, sample some of this $3,500 uh, Cognac, which was part of, uh, you know, the Paradis. This is a very exclusive uh, Cognac. Uh, we had the head of Hennessy actually explain what we were drinking. So those types of experiences, again, elevate the opportunity of being in front of the group that we curate. Yes. Well, and, the, and like I was saying earlier, one of the things we've realized at Four Star is, you know, the high net worth and then the ultra high net worth client uh, has different needs and has different opportunities. And that's one of the aspects of the RA elite family office conferences is that we mingle with that crowd of people and actually have experiences that would be appropriate for them as well. So we're, we're thrilled to be part of it. Uh, what, what's up next, Neil? What, what do the wealthy families, are, what are they looking for? You seem to have a pulse of where the wealthy family office investors are, are, are looking toward. Yeah, so it seems to be, from what I've uh, really kind of understood recently is the venture capital side seems to be a very big interest. The venture mm -hmm. capital, new yes. opportunities to get involved with venture capital on mm -hmm. the ground up. We just had a keynote speaker in Las Vegas. We had Mr. Gil Emilio, if your name rings a bell. He's the former CEO, Apple Computer, Rockwell right. International, AT&T and such. You know, he was speaking about what he's calling his accelerated fund a new opportunity to really get involved, which is what he's known for, getting involved in these companies, changing the management perspective, and in two or three years, being able to exit uh, and have you know 5X or so uh, on a portfolio appreciation. And I can tell you, everybody was just taking notes. Their ears were open wide, and really the engagement after his presentation just goes to show. We had a couple other venture capital speakers as well, and I can tell that the people are just writing down. They're, you know, afterwards they're asking questions. So <clears throat> one of the things that we're actually going to be sketching out and hopefully launching in September would be a venture capital conference, which would be specific for the venture capital and from the demand that I've seen. Because, you know, again, I have uh, calls and interactions with family offices and registered investment advisors pretty much on a daily basis. And it seems that I would say 80% of those conversations are related to venture capital. Yes. One of the other is, uh, and it just, you know, it shows me that that's obviously a very uh, specific need or, you know, you know, desire for these family offices or registered investment advisors. The other sector, Brian, uh, is that in the cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency mm -hmm. obviously is something very difficult to understand, but yet there are some experts. And again, finding those experts uh, is not easy. So we think that we, uh, through our processes, are able to identify a couple of these crypto deals, which are, first of all, regulated, uh, which is important. Secondly, they have a track record, which, again, as you know, is important. Uh, and thirdly, have raised a significant amount of money. They're not just startups. So Good. that's what we represent. But on the crypto side, again, I think that'll be something going forward. And then just on the asset protection side, you know, we do, and I know that you uh, also work a lot with life insurance and annuities for tax deferred growth. So right. I think that's another area 
you know, everyone saw what happened to Kobe Bryant, right? Nobody expected his family probably didn't expect something to happen to him uh, just in a matter of a morning. And now their whole life was turned around. And, you know, again, we just did this event in, in, uh, in Las Vegas and we were talking about, you know, a lot of the players uh, actually with their, with their wives and a couple of the wives were pregnant. And we were talking about, you know, what have you done to protect yourself and life insurance? And they were like, you know what? You're right. And, and that to me is another very important void because people don't think about it, right? You're going to have a life changing experience. You're going to have a baby or you just joined a professional athlete team and you got a $10 million signing bonus and your value of your you know, whole net worth is appreciated by 10 times. You know, did you reevaluate your insurance? Do you even have insurance? Do you have disability insurance? You know, right. So things like that, uh, aside from just investing, uh, are also important. And one of the other things that, as you know, in the insurance side, not only is it good for the protection of the estate and also for the, the heirs, but as an investment, right? There's uh, no other investment that you can put unlimited amount of capital in, right? Like you can't with a Roth IRA, you're capped with regular R, right. you know, 401k, you're capped. But you There's can have tax deferred growth and then you can have down the road tax-free income. So right. things like that are, again, strategies that I know that you've implemented at Four Star. Yes. But those are things that we're educating our attendees, our player attendees. And again, even sponsors have heard that and they've been saying, wow, we should really get involved more than that. Well, you know, everyone thinks of the line back in the uh, back in the Great Gatsby about how the wealthy are different. And that was much more of an arrogant view of the world. But but in the sense that investing in the opportunities, uh, plus also the risks, like you say, the insurance is really critical. So we We've done at Four Star a lot of work on developing alternatives, the proper alternative programs. Um, you know, every the, the more prominent a family becomes, the more people that are out there trying to get their money or trying to get their attention. And they often bring you know, low quality, low grade pro programs and services. So it's really important that, that us as gatekeepers and, and with your help, Neil, finding the right services and the right opportunities for those wealthy families. And we, we spent a lot of time with that at four star and, and we're so proud to be part of your group neil yeah and that actually is the importance of due diligence right what you're yeah. referring to is due diligence and the honest approach is that yes there's a lot of family offices that create their own deals for their own purposes there are a lot of registered investment advisors out there that mm -hmm. are probably being presented with alternative investment ideas all the time and if they don't have access to the proper due diligence companies, and the, most of these companies are available for free of charge even, that they do this, you know, based upon their law firms, uh, their proprietary, uh, you know, basis is due diligence. And they're available to the right RAAs that actually know and align with them. And I know that you work with the top uh, due diligence firms at Four Star. That, to me, is the secret sauce to protecting the wealth, Right. Uh, these family offices, they come to these events and they never heard of a due diligence firm that is actually looking at the backgrounds of the principles, looking at the structure of the offering, the track records, even looking at the flow of funds. You know, things like that uh, are very vital to protecting and growing assets. Uh, I got, for example, a, a call just about uh, two months ago, a group which I know is a very prominent family office. They came to me with a very exciting uh, whiskey. Actually, it was a scotch. It was an Irish scotch that they were trying, or Irish whiskey, I believe it was, uh, Irish whiskey deal. 
that looked great. You know, they gave me a couple samples, enjoyed the whiskey. Uh, and, you know, they had this great story how obviously we've seen great uh, events have happened in the in the liquor business with, you know, uh, you know, Ed, what's his name? Uh, McGuire, you know, had just did a big deal on the uh, the whiskey deal. We sold it for multi-billion dollars. But the mm -hmm. bottom line is that it seems exciting. And he had a lot of family offices he was talking to that were thinking about giving him capital. And we decided to have our group look under the cover of that deal. We looked under the cover and we found so many different improprieties that we were able to alert our family offices to what was going on. Not mm -hmm. that it was fraud, but it was just no way that anybody was ever going to make any money. There were just too many hands in the cookie jar, as they yeah. say. And when that happens, then ultimately the only person that's going to make money is the person that's raising the money. And ultimately, by going through the proper due diligence, we're able to say to people, stay away. So right. as you know, and you've seen it before, uh, due diligence is a vital part of what you're going to do, whether or not you're an RIA, a family office, even a broker-dealer, uh, those types of things. And having access to the right companies uh, is something that, to me, is priceless. Yes, I agree. Uh, the due diligence is critical. And sometimes the best deal is the one that you didn't do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, we've all seen that before, right? Sometimes you watch right. a deal and then you just wish. Uh, I mean, remember years ago, there was a natural gas deal, which, you know, I knew the families had a great reputation. And, you know, I kind of sat it out because their first deal. And, you know, I think within 12 months, it exited, you know, 10 times the value. But sometimes you're going to miss the good ones. But again, there are plenty of times that I looked at the ones that we have looked at, peeled away the, the skin on the onion and uh, and really did stay away. And then, you know, obviously you see them in the news, uh, you know, two years later and you're thinking, wow, I actually did something uh, yeah. to keep myself out of that. So it's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's lots of lots of scam artists out there and certainly everybody's after the very wealthy uh, clients of the RAs and the family offices. So uh, partnering with you gives us a leg up in that, serving that market. And uh, it's amazing to see what you've done with it, Neil. So congratulations on all this. We're glad to have been part in the beginning and then learning about how to work with very wealthy families as our firm grows as well. So we're quite honored. So uh, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you in Punta Mita. Sounds great. And, uh, and thank you so much, uh, Neil, for joining us on the Four Star Podcast. We'll leave it there until our, our next interview. Thanks, Neil. Have a great day.